0: I think more than any particular teacher I had, it was more just the exposure of, like, what I was listening to. Um, Because I feel like composition teachers, they can be hugely important and they were hugely influential, but teaching composing almost isn't more like mentoring composing, you know, is, is more about like, how you deal with your own ideas and the process and things like that, I've found to be most fruitful and not necessarily, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, what the pitches are, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Because every, you know, it is a kind of a now, like, anything can be composition if you're, like, committed to the idea and you do it well.
1: This is Anna Walton. Uh, She is one of my colleagues over at Columbia University. She is, she's just great. She's a couple years under me in the program. You're, like, a fourth year. I'm a fourth year. And I'm a sixth year. Well, technically, I... (laughs) I am. I'm out now. Yes. Basically, I got my degree. Yes. A couple of weeks ago. I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, yeah. So that, that happened, and I've been just getting everybody from Columbia one one by one. Hopefully, I get everybody. So um, there are quite a few left. I have to yeah. have to get over <laughs> here. But I'm glad that you're over here. Yeah. And um, no, it's just great. And the thing is with you, is there's not a lot of people from California. Or at least that did some college right. in California, and I know you went to Scripps I over did. in Claremont. I just want to I want to know like a little bit about what that was like to, to get started.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I started as a physics major. Um, this is the kind of like classic liberal arts story I feel like that they want you to tell, but it really did. I was kind of like, no, I'm going to do, I like math. I like science. I'm going to like be a physics major. And I took a music class, you know, as part of like my general ed requirements in addition to that. And of course I was already, you know, doing music as like you know, a hobby and something that I was passionate about. And I was just like, okay, this is really, after a year, I was like, no, I'm obviously supposed to be a music major and kind of gave up the gig. So, um, that was good in the sense that they have that, you know, flexibility and you can kind of just, you like at Scripps, you know, you go really for the school more than like a particular program or person, I think. Um, so for me that worked out well. Um, It was a bit odd because I started as a music major and it's super small. So there's only a few music majors per class per year, Um, but they didn't, they don't actually have a composer there. So uh, I ended up taking composition with Tom Flaherty at Pomona, which Mm -hmm. is part of this, you know, Claremont college, like consortium type of thing. Um, so that was really easy, but it was also interesting. I mean, I had a lot of flexibility in the sense that they were kind of like, what even is a composition thesis, you know? And we were all kind of like making it up together with the professors, you so know? So the
1: degree was a music degree. It's it was just music. music. Composition. Yeah. Okay. My but, bachelor's just music. But What do they expect you to do over there as part of the music degree? Like, what sort of classes are you taking?
0: So you have to take a certain amount of theory classes, you have to do a certain amount of um, history classes and then electives, and then a certain amount of performance, which I did, I did uh, piano, and then I did choir the whole time I was there. But it's pretty light, actually, you know, it's different from kind of the conservatory style, or even just, I think, like, maybe at some bigger universities also that are a bit more focused, like the music schools. Mm -hmm. Like, I never took counterpoint, I never took orchestration. Um, Really? Really.
1: Wow. So how did you... So let me back up a little bit. So you went there for physics initially, right? But then you... Yeah, I mean, I would say I went there for scripts. And I was
0: like, I'm going to do physics because I was kind of like rejecting like this You know, I was trying to be like, nah, I'm not going to do music. I was kind of trying to... I was in denial about it, I feel like. Because when I finally was like, no, I'm going to do music at Mike, everyone was like, well, yeah, obviously. So.
1: But how... Like when did that switch happen? It happened in the
0: first year because you declare your major... Your sophomore year
1: oh okay okay so you still yeah so you was, you weren't really anything the first right. year then
0: but i but i went into like physics for majors you know yeah. like i was like and i took math and like i was like focused You're taking on classes. that yeah
1: that's funny because like i i um i was a pre-med at usc mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. for one day <laughs> <laughs>
0: one day I lasted
1: one day i saw the <laughs> i saw the schedule oh. of classes i had to take and they were telling me that i had to take all these science courses every single summer if I was going to mm-hmm. graduate on time, yeah, uh, because the music uh, workload at USC was like 132 credits or something like this over four years, and then another like I don't remember how many credits on top of that. So you had to like, and I had a scholarship, so I had to to to, to be within the scholarship parameter. Right. I had to do it all in four years.
0: Right, right. And I
1: was like, I can't do this. You know, like wow. this is not what I want to do at all. But I I was thinking about it. But wow. it's interesting that for you you actually took the classes. See, I never yeah. sat in it. A biology class or any of that stuff. But do, I, I didn't did even you last. not
0: have to for your like general ed? You didn't have to do a science course or anything like that. No, there?
1: I uh, well, I took a bunch of AP classes. Did you have to do that okay. in high school? I, so.
0: I took AP, but Scripps doesn't like take Recognize? any AP. Okay, and they 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 have a pretty broad GE curriculum, so. In a way, like, I ended up knocking out my GEs by starting, like, thinking I was going to do physics anyway, because you do have to take some kind of science Mm and, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, no, I took a lot of AP classes in high school, so it was like, I had a lot of general ed stuff already done. So I kind of, I mean, I did have to do some general ed stuff, Mm -hmm. but it was very minimal compared to somebody that didn't take any AP classes going in. Right. So USC was, was really good about that. But yeah, I mean, I'm always interested to know, like, when you get into a school, especially like Scripps, you know, it's not like a conservatory or anything like this. There's not musicians running around. Like, how do you, like, make the, how do you make that switch in your head? Like, not only do I want to be some kind of musician, I want to be a composer because there's no one really there to play your stuff. So, like, where is that? Because for me at USC, it was fairly, I have to say, looking back, it was fairly easy, you know, because, you know, you walk around the practice rooms, you just tap on the glass and, ask a flute player to play this lick for you, and boom, you know if it sounds good or not. And you can, but if you're not in that environment, it's like, how do you get that? How do you get that feedback? And how do you even decide to be a composer in the first place? Now, quick pit stop to let you know that I do offer one-on-one consultations and lessons in regards to anything composition related. This can range for helping you put together your portfolio for any composition degree that you're applying to. Or you might want to improve your creative chops as a composer from week to week or month to month. Or you might want to get a better handle of the behind the scenes of what it's like to be a composer. How do you sell your sheet music? How do you negotiate commission rates? How do you apply to contests? How do you apply to grants? How do you do anything as a composer, let alone just writing the music? So if this is you, you can contact me using the link down in the description below.
0: Well, I was already writing music. So I started as like a singer-songwriter type of person, which I think is pretty common. Um, yeah. But I was doing that in high school already. Um, <clears throat> I moved halfway through high school from Ohio to Claremont, actually which was just, like, a terrible time to move. I mean, it's, like, really tough, you know, to move, like, two years before, you know, you graduate from high school. So I kind of just threw myself into music, and I really started writing a lot of songs. And, you know, I had, like, a music MySpace and, like, you know, playing oh, cool. and I played in a couple coffee shops and stuff like that. So it was already something that I just loved to do myself. And then I kind of started... I took some of the... Um, you know, Western music history classes, and I was really moved by the teacher. You know, I had, they had really, you know, passionate, really good teachers there, the professors, you know. Um, and I thought, okay, this is, you know, I, I mean, it sounds very cliche, but I, I remember hearing Rite of Spring and being like, oh my God, I didn't know music yeah. could be like this.
1: I was the same way too. Rite of Spring was my first it, piece It too, opened that my I heard.
0: eyes and I was like, Modern wow, piece. music can make you feel, like it can be something other than beautiful. And it mm. can still be strong. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I felt like, wow, I feel this in my gut, you know? Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And then so, and then that started, you know, then I started kind of like going down YouTube rabbit holes, really kind of myself also piecing together uh, new music and like more contemporary stuff. And then I thought basically, for, so there, you have to do a thesis. I know not every school is the same, but at Scripps, you have to do a, th- a senior thesis. Is and, that a written thesis or a, well, like an
1: essay kind of thing? Or
0: that's the that's the thing. Okay. Is since there were no composition majors, we were kind of in discourse. Like, what would that look like? And they decided, well, it would be 30 minutes of music. And I was like, do I want to write like a 100-page paper or do I want to write 30 minutes of music? And I was like, for sure, 30 minutes yeah. of music. <laughs> like that's so, like, is that even? No brainer. An, yeah.
1: So I was like, no, All I'm. the 30 minutes of music might take longer to do actually. Oh, yeah. I'm
0: sure it did. Yeah, but yeah. it was just like, that's clear. And then, you know, the fact that that choice was clear for me was just kind of like, okay, this is what I want to do, you know? Yeah.
1: So you decided you wanted to do that like so you were you're doing the singer songwriter kind of thing but then what age was it that you switched to or what I guess what age did you hear write of spring was that your freshman year sophomore year That uh, was my the on? spring
0: of my freshman year
1: Okay so you were like 18 19 or something at that point
0: Yeah I was like 19 and then the next semester Scripps has actually a pretty they have this something called the core program um mm-hmm which maybe is something similar to like Columbia. you know they sell this like generally uh, i don't know cultured or i don't know how they it's put it it's funny
1: how they how it's a selling point yeah
0: and, and then, then you have the, to do it you're like oh and then God, when you get the kids
1: I... in the classroom to actually yeah. do it they're like they don't yeah. want to be there yeah. i'm like
0: <laughs> so they have something like that and um, but it's a little different so everyone core 1 every single student in the first class seems t- takes the same class and usually you read a lot of like heavy hitting philosophy and stuff like that in this like giant seminar. And then core two and three are more like shoot offs that are supposed to kind of relate to core one, but there's different classes. And so for my core three, I ended up taking a class with David Kubek, who actually now is conductor for Phonema. So he ended up getting into new music, oh. um, even though he, you know, mostly does, you know, he's an orchestral conductor mostly. Um but anyway, he taught a class where we basically went through Alex Ross's, the rest is uh, noise. The rest is noise, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so also that kind of also started to open my eyes and be like, okay, there's other things out there, you know. And, uh, and yeah, and then by my junior year, that's when I started like composing for, you know, string quartet or piano or whatever.
1: So like during this whole time, like at Scripps, I mean, did you have other like composer colleagues did you like did you have were you ever part of any sort of community of of like-minded people or did that did that not come until after you were done
0: yeah there was one other composition student my year which was funny um although he was at harvey mudd Mm -hmm. um and a ton of harvey mudd which is the engineering school in the consortium ton of harvey mudd students took music at scripps um something about hard science and engineering and music mix, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a coincidence that he also decided that he wanted to be a composer uh, and be a composition major. So I actually had a partner in that, although he wasn't at Scripps per se. He was in the Scripps program. But it was really just the two of us. And there aren't like there are only a few music majors a year. And it's not like you know, you don't go there. It's not like Oberlin Conservatory or something. Like you don't go there if you like want to be a professional musician. So it was really just kind of like ask, you know, doing with what, um, you know, working with the people who were there and, It was actually a really nice experience, though, just going up to people that I knew from choir or just asking for recommendations and, you know, saying, okay. And and in general, people like just students were really willing to try, even though, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, even, you know, I didn't know how to run a rehearsal or I barely even know. I didn't know anything about new music techniques, but they were just really willing to like sit and rehearse with me, you know, totally for free and just like try it out, even though they weren't even really like, they weren't going to go on to be, you know, professional musicians or anything. Yeah, and
1: you're if you're like one of the only composers there. also yeah. there's not. There's also like, oh, right. that's the composer. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh wow, you're the composer. It's like a know? cool
0: experience, I think. You know, <laughs> where we were like, yeah, I made up this song. Do you want to play it? You know, and, and yeah. in general, they were like, yeah.
1: Yeah, because so. I like when I was at Juilliard, especially at Juilliard, I have to say. It's like there were a lot of composers, and right. to be honest with you, the the last thing the musicians there wanted to do was to play your, the, right. your stuff unless they were friends with you or something, right. or, or they happened to like your music, which was there's no <laughs> novelty there. You know, yeah. it's
0: like not like a oh, interesting, no experience I've never heard of before. It's more like oh, another composer, who's uh, yeah, or another for it. another thing I have to do, yeah, or another right.
1: another favor I have to do. Yeah, right. it's just there's like this transactional kind of feeling you get that's. That, you know, it makes sense from their perspective too, because they're there to do, they're there for a certain kind of training right. and they didn't expect to do these other things. Right. But there are composers there. They need to get their stuff played. So yeah. that stuff has to happen eventually. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, on the flip side, like none of those people, I'm obviously not working with them today. Like you don't make connections for right. your career because it's like, well, those people are doctors now or like whatever, you know, they're doing. Yeah. Um, but, it, but was, it was a nice way to, like, start, you know?
1: Yeah. But I don't know about you, but, like, for me, at least, it, those connections that I made in school, even at even at USC or Juilliard, you know, they kind of come and go. Sometimes yeah. I have people that I really liked working with, and it was mutual, but then, you know, they, they went off to a different city or they're just right. doing something else where my interests have changed. And then, you know, it's not like this relationship that just, like, continues on like this. Right. It's just, like, it just has it has interruptions. And then you have to find new people. It's like always finding. That's the thing with me. I, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's like, it's very tiring to like always find new people yeah. to collaborate with. It's I mean, it's exciting, but also at a certain point, it's like, I wish I could settle down, you know, settle down like, with the group. Like have your or, few, like, yeah, yeah. Like that, not as, not as like intense as like a Philip Glass ensemble or Steve Reich ensemble or right. stuff like that, where it's like the only really work with them on their experimental stuff, but you know, it would be, I feel like it would be beneficial to have a few groups where it's like, okay, if I want to write a string quartet, I know that they will play it right. or at least go through it. No questions asked because they like working with me. Yeah. But that hasn't really, I don't know. How, I don't know. I'm curious with you because um we'll get into your stuff, but you write a lot of, uh, at least the stuff that I heard, the choral work is like very, uh, f- you know, there's a definitely a voice there, like very focused, kind of thing you're doing there and and i wonder with that especially if if you found your group because it sounds it sounds like that just from hearing the music mm-hmm. um because at least for me you know writing for orchestras and string quartet like these really typical ensembles it's like it feels like there's not really like there's not like i don't have a bass orchestra <laughs> you know all right right xyz right. orchestra you're you're always going to be the ones that i work with and you know it's not like that so i wonder what it's like for you
0: Yeah, I I don't think I have that necessarily. I think there's one ensemble that I feel that I have like a relationship with, um, which is Switch Ensemble. And they were kind of the one, like the first ensemble when I was, you know, I met them actually at a festival. Mm -hmm. Um, One of these, you know, like American festivals, but it's in Europe. Uh, and you like go and and whatever and they play your piece but but I'm I felt like I really connected with them and they were some of the first people to be like, you know, your your music is good and we're going to play it again and I was like, wow, what? you know. Yeah. Um and so they've and then they've played my pieces several times and like programmed me and 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 then we applied to a grant together. Um so I feel like I do have a relationship with them like I could mm-hmm. reach out and you know. So I have I have that relationship with them, but I think it's tough, you know, to find ensemble. There's just like so many composers in the world and it's like one of these also just life human, like interaction kind of things, you know, it's
1: like
0: building relationships with people. It's not as simple as, you know, it, it, it can be kind of transactional, I think. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it's also tough for composers in general because, you know, we are told all the time to just focus on the music, which right, is true. But right. there are these other factors that go into There play. are
0: totally other factors. And it's like learning, like, you're dealing with human beings and, like, you know, figuring that part out. Uh Recently, I worked on a piece that truly was a collaboration, like kind of a long process with a performer and then like you know recordings and a piece came out of that. But that was, I feel really the first time it was really that kind of deep collaboration that I've worked on because a lot of people talk about collaboration, but a lot of times that's not really how it's formatted, right? It's more like, okay, maybe you do a workshop, but then you basically send a score and then maybe you get feedback from it. Like is most of the time what my experience is? But, oh yes, yeah, I here. mean, do you, do you have people that you're really like, no, these are people that I collaborate with, like
1: in terms of like you know, I, I write the piece, and like as I'm writing the piece, it's it's like back, yeah, and, back and, forth, and forth back and forth. you know, I try to do that, uh, and I always always say to the ensemble uh, that I, I am intending to do that, but it just it's just very difficult because yeah. you you want an answer kind of quickly, like within a couple of days, but then yeah. if it doesn't come, you kind of have to keep you got to keep going right you know? So I, that is always my intention at the beginning, but I always know that it's not really going to happen the way right. that I want to in my mind. Right. Um, but everybody has good intentions, just that it's very hard to make that space for what, whatever that true collaboration is. Well, I is. think
0: it's, in this case, I recently did this with a, with a trumpet player called Chloe Abbott in the, who's based in the Netherlands, and we, we're friends. And that's why we could do it because I could invite her over and we would have coffee and then spend two hours like in mm-hmm. the studio recording stuff and then have another conversation. And, and it's like, if you're working with an ensemble where you're like, the time is, you know, scheduled, like rehearsal time, it's just like not the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: And I might, and to be honest with you, my brain is wired that way now. It's like, yeah. okay, what can I do yeah. that I can get in an hour, two right. hours? No, and, it's, it's and how the system how works. It yeah. So it's
0: smart to do that, then you have more successful, like, there's a reason why that you do that, right?
1: I mean, the, I mean, I want the stuff to sound good at right. the end of the day. I don't want it to be like, right. oh, you know, I really intended this, and then, like, make excuses for why something sounded that way. Like, I hate doing right. that, because I don't right. want to put the musicians in that, right in that predicament either. And it has happened a couple of times where the musicians weren't comfortable playing the stuff, and I'm like, well, you know, I... I really hate that feeling of, yeah. of making the musicians feel that way because I don't want them to feel uncomfortable on stage either. I want them to be confident in what they're doing. Totally. So that's part of the reason. But yeah, you're right. It is, it is kind of catering to the system. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I do I, I, I don't do know that how too. to feel about that either, actually.
0: No, but it's, yeah, I feel like you're working with what you got. And, and, the, only, yeah. and the only time I really felt like that wasn't the case, it was truly a, a friendship. And that was also with an individual. Which yeah. is also I think more possible. It's like, you know, you inviting me here. You know, I, I invite her over and we it's kinda of work, but then, you know, we hang out and like so yeah.
1: Yeah. Well with that all being said, I wanna I wanna play a piece, this piece called The Deep Glens Where They Lived. Right? Did I say that right? Yes. I like yes. wrote it terribly on my card. <laughs> but let's let's hear it. I mean, so when I heard this piece, to me, like, especially the section that we played right now, it, to me, it sounds like, uh, to me, I call it the the, the Jacinto, uh Chelsea section, this part mm. where you have, the, you know, these really tight, um, yeah. you know, notes going on, like G, G, half sharp, this kind of thing. But it's not just that. It's this thing with the, with the pipes, and I didn't really understand when I was looking at the score what that was, but later I figured out what was going on. Did in you it. see the video? I didn't see the video. Okay, because yeah.
0: obviously in the video you just see it, so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Actually, I kind of liked not seeing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to guess what I was listening to because I thought, oh, uh, maybe that is just a normal voice, but uh, but maybe not. Like, I, I had right. me guessing looking at the score. Right. So I wonder if that would have changed my experience looking at the actual performers. But anyway, I'm just wondering from you, like, how did that all come about? Because to me, it's it sounded like, something you would have to collaborate on. It doesn't sound like something you can just show up with.
0: Right. Um, So that was one of the pieces that I've had this process that I also have continued to do. It depends on the situation, but um, which is where instead of collaborating directly with them, I like collaborate with myself. Like I make sure that I can do all of the experiment, you know, I experiment and like make all the sounds myself. And then I translate to the performers like how to do that basically um and especially as a vocalist I liked you know as a I mean as a singer I'm I'm not like I don't sing publicly or anything like that anymore but I was in choir for like 20 years of my life basically um so I like to sing and um So basically this piece, there's the PVC pipe, and then there's just a little hole cut in it in the side, almost like a flute, like a very rudimentary looking flute. Uh, And it actually started because in in another piece, which is a talk piece, which I did my first year uh, at Columbia, the ending, I have the uh, Charlotte, the soprano, whisper something into the head joint of a flute. And it was, that was just kind of a, like a poetic solution. Like I, I didn't want it to start and end in the exact same way. I wanted to avoid that. So I thought, okay, I'll filter the sound of her whispering through a flute head joint since, since they have a flutist in the ensemble, right? Um, and I thought, I thought more about that. And I thought, you know, I really liked that sound. I think there's a lot of potential there, but it's not very realistic to ask six singers to have six flute head joints. <laughs> okay that's not a good idea. Mm. So um, that that's how the pipe came to be basically. Okay, well I can make something kind of similar and rudimentary and um, and try this. And then I just started playing around with it and experimenting and recording myself. And I realized, I, I, by the way, my dad helped me make them and just kind of picked a random length and width and didn't think too much about it. And they were all slightly different lengths. And then I realized, okay, actually they, they all have tones that are around a G. And so when I'm singing a G into them, then there's this kind of weird, um, you know, reson. You know, they they have their own will, and if you do these little micro glisses, then it changes what's coming out. You know, um, if you kind of bounce it on your mouth, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how those pitches got chosen, basically. And I thought, okay, well then then I can interweave these, and all the pipes are a little different, so the tuning's a little different, um, and that's how that piece was kind of born. Um, which has, it's also disadvantages because, you know, I, I can't practice the bass, for example, singing. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: so that was kind of a surprise when you heard the bass.
0: Yeah. And, and it was, you know, maybe a very simple, um, not the most creative solution to just pop it as a bass, you know, basically an octave below and just have him like as a supporting role. And some of those things that are too high, you know, for, to ask, expect a bass to sing. Uh, for a long period of time but so that kind of experimenting myself and then passing it on I found to be really fruitful and um you know, getting away a little bit from this, like imagining in my head, what all the harmonies are going to sound like, which I still do. Of course, it really depends on the situation. Like if you're going to write for orchestra or something like that, then that's kind of how that goes, you know, or, or you make a mock-up or whatever the process is, but just working with physical objects, I found to be really, um, fruitful thing. And that was one of the earlier pieces where I, where I started that kind of process.
1: The idea of taking like a, like an object or something, not or not even like a pvc pipe is not something that's musically uh obvious choice to to use it's right. it's not like something that uh, you know obviously makes musical sound either and the idea of like actually making making it so but the, but it seems like something that could be easily replicated you know yeah. like like if another like choral similar choral group wants to do that they could they can just go to Home Depot and buy a bunch exactly. of PVC pipes do and do what I did and, put, and do right? what you did, right? You like, just need a really... drill
0: bit and
1: yeah. Well, you need a drill bit. You need to know you, how to you, use You one. do <laughs> have to
0: like have a special drill bit to make oh, the really? hole, but you know, yeah. I, I think it's a reasonable ask, you know. But but yeah, it's also practical, you know. Yeah. And 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 that's why I didn't ask for six flute head joints because that's just a terrible idea. That's not a practical, mm-hmm. you know, thing to do. You could do that, and then it wouldn't have a premiere, and then that would
1: yeah. Be it. And also, there's kind of a Visual thing too with the flute head joints because you're then all of a sudden the sound of flute is in your head, right? Which is not what you want you want You know, this is a this is a specific choral Type of sound that you're going for right. Yeah, Yeah, that's
0: that's a nice reaction also that you had because it's this kind of human and then Non-human thing, you know the Mm. an object modulating the human voice um, Is also a part of that so that's nice that you had this kind of uh, sounds Sounds yeah, like singing, I mean, well, that's
1: what it, that's what it was, and and that kind of sound is so hard to do with um with voices because I've done stuff I've or I try to do things <laughs> I should say with voices and microtones because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm like really into that kind of thing and um microtones at least voices not so much I just can't figure out how to work with voices. But I
0: love working with voice.
1: But you're the opposite. You can do voices. It's just it's and to hear it done that way, I'm like, oh wow, that's a way you can do it. You know, because mm. for me, it's like. I always ask singers to find like E half flat, like out of nowhere, and just, it just, it just doesn't really happen. Right. But you did it in a way where it's like, well, it's not really about the microtones. It's more about the beating, and it's more about like the timbre that you're getting exactly. out of the microtones. So, if, in a way, like if you don't have the score in front of you, it's not really about the microtones. Right. Which I really like. Right. I really like that the piece is not about microtones. If yeah. If that makes sense. No, that's At least absolutely that's why, the way I right. heard it.
0: Yeah, well, you and I think use microtones in very different ways. I basically always use them. I'm basically not that advanced, you know. I I, I use them as like a timbral um, thing, and and I'm I'm not usually so particular like it needs to be exactly a quarter. And and I mm-hmm. very rarely write for anything smaller than a quarter because for me it's it's like a departure and like a timbral blur. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know if you're using them in like particular systems it's really important that they're like tuned correctly and for it to like lock in place so
1: yeah well in this next piece that you that uh you shared with me is piece called approximations you actually you well that's true you did put minus <laughs> yes. 31 cents plus 41 cents yes okay I mean, you did, thanks you for doing all that like, stuff actually so. <laughs> let's, let's hear it. it's a piece for alto sax snare drum vibes piano electric guitar So I worked with this group too. I think I was on the same show and my, my piece was <laughs> yes, kind of a such riot. A fun, <laughs> it was
0: such a fun piece, um, by the way.
1: Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, for, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, this piece called Sedect, um, which you can listen to after you watch this, um, which I, I kind of put on the program there just to, just to see, see a reaction because it was, no, it was you know, this pop it was song great. kind of thing. But, yeah. Because um, I don't write like that anymore. But let's talk about your piece. I, I was surprised by what you just said, because you have all these things that say minus 31 cents on the B-flat, which is the seventh partial of the C right. fundamental. And yes. then you got like an actual, not actual, but I should say equal tempered B-flat going on at the same time. Yes. And uh, that, you know, this is the part that we just played. So you are picking things, but it seems like it's also for a timbral effect actually so
0: yeah so okay i have to normally i do what i just said previously which is i'm normally just thinking like tamberly this is was a different kind of um situation because the idea for this piece started with just playing the lowest c on the piano for a really long time and if you do that, like a real like minute, several minutes, and hold the pedal down, it is wild. Like everyone who has a grand piano should do it, because it's it, it's just absolutely wild—the sign tones and the partials and all this kind of high, higher stuff that comes in and out—and it's just amazing. And so that was the concept of the piece and that's indeed the pianist has very few notes and most of the piece are just playing that lowest c so in this case it was orchestrating that low c out which is why i was working on working with those particular um pitches as uh partials of a c Mm. fundamental but within the range of you know the the other instruments but yes then mixing them with the vibes and um you know, equal-tempered stuff, which does, which is, in a way, it's kind of both things, like working more with particular microtones but then mixing it in a timbral way with, you know, their equal-tempered counterparts. So it's kind of both, in a sense, that piece. I
1: I do remember now that you say that when I was in the hall, that phenomenon, but on the recording, I didn't get as much of that for whatever reason. But, yeah, I do remember now, actually, that you bring that up, that there was, like, this kind of, like, resonant... Thing, yeah, you know, with all these different like different tones and things, and it, going and the space the like I know yeah.
0: what people are always talking about this, but really the space literally changes which tones you hear so much. Mm-hmm. Like when we were doing the sound check, I remember David, who's the sound engineer, was like worried for a sec that we were getting feedback, but it was just a high. Just it was a really strong <laughs> high part. Like we actually stopped and we're like, wait, no, and like no, it's just coming from the piano.
1: Wow. So. That's crazy. And did you hear, like, were there certain pitches? So were the pitches that you, I know we're getting, like, really deep into this, but it, the, that's what the piece is about. Were the were the partials that you picked out, like the minus, like the seventh partial, and then you even went up to, like, the 13th partial? I don't know if you went higher than that, but were, were these pitches selected because you heard them coming out of the yes. piano as you were practicing Yes. It? Wow.
0: The, those, so I recorded it, and then I went back, and also just as I was there, I just wrote down what I was hearing. I mean, Knowing, of course, the title is approximations. So, again, knowing that in the different space and a different piano, maybe they wouldn't be as strong, right? Because it just depends. But I just use that as a jumping off point, and that's how I picked the, the partials.
1: Yeah, because like when you, you know, you know that exercise where you just kind of like play on the, you know, you, you kind of find partials by like touching notes on the string and just right. hitting the key. Like I can never really get past like the seventh partial, like, or like I barely get to the seventh and I'm just like pretending to hear. Yeah, the well then it, it becomes
0: more like thud, right? Like yeah. after, yeah.
1: Yeah, but like that you actually heard like the 13th partial, like that's like crazy to me, you know, that, that uh, yeah. you can get it to that point where you can hear those higher partials.
0: And not from playing the notes.
1: Right. From Which is, like yeah, the, just the from resonance. the resonance of the piano. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's really amazing what happens if you just sit and do that for five minutes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really exciting. Okay, so that's interesting. I mean, it's like, so both pieces, I mean, it just happened to be these these two pieces. I don't have other pieces to share, uh, but those two pieces deal with microtonality in a very similar kind of way, but yeah. one is more exact with the partials while the other is, is not because of the way that the, the PVC pipes are working. Right, yeah. yeah. So I mean, all this kind of stuff, and I think Columbia has kind of reputation for this a little bit. Um, but a lot of this kind of stuff is is like stuff that's like imported from Europe, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of something that we both have in common a little bit. That you know, we we start out in California with our educate, like our music composition education, which is like the wild, wild west, you know, with the, yeah. anything kind of goes. I feel like over there. But then you went over uh, to Europe, right? I mean, you went over to Graz to study with Biet Fuhrer, which is like a big name. Yeah. What was, like, were all these techniques and things you were learning, did it come from there initially or going down your YouTube rabbit hole? I mean, like, how did, did, like, that style change from, like, songwriting to the stuff you're doing now?
0: I think um, more than any particular, like, teacher I had, it was more just the exposure of like what I was listening to. Um, cause I feel like composition teachers, they can be hugely important and they were hugely influential, but teaching composing almost isn't more like mentoring composing, you know, is, is more about, um, like how you deal with your own ideas and the process and things like that. I've found to be most fruitful and not necessarily like the nitty gritty of like what the pitches are in a sense, Mm -hmm. because every, you know, it is a kind of a now like anything can be composition if you're like committed to the idea and you do it well. But, um, I think Graz was really important and influential because I was just going to a lot of concerts. You know, I went to Impulse while I was there. That's a ton of concerts and just the things that my, you know, that I was hearing and exposed to Um, a lot more European music and like German music. Um, But, you know, I also just tried to go to a lot of festivals since I, especially my bachelor and master's, my master's also wasn't at a like conservatory type place. Um, it was also an extremely small department, so I kind of supplemented, um, not having necessarily as much access or exposure to stuff that someone who went to a conservatory might, by trying to do a lot of summer festivals for a few years, and so also just those experiences and you know like hearing what other people are doing and and honestly YouTube rabbit holes like. You can learn a lot from YouTube, you know.
1: Especially now that you can find. Especially
0: literally now, yeah. I mean, this was starting when I was doing this. It was more than ten years ago. Is when I started, but even then, you know, um, just listening, you know, it was was the most important thing. I think to to kind of get that influence, and then you know you start to digest more and more, and I think you take little bits with you, and and uh, and then I think you reach a point where not that much. Seems new or surprising in a sense and then that's kind of up to you I guess to to create something that you find like new and surprising and interesting
1: Yeah, but I mean I feel like I mean I feel the same way like I I know so many things now, but it's also like well Part of you feels like well, I want to try all those things but also part but then uh, the kind of you know other part of me says, you know, you got to just stick to what you know in in a sense, but add those things slowly over time. And that's like really hard for me Mm. to do. I'm like, I kind of want to try all the new things. Yeah. But I know that if I try to do that, like everything that I've done before will kind of get erased in a a way. So I don't know. It's, it's always a bit, I feel like, I don't know if everybody struggles with this, but at least I do. It's like, I, I feel like my stuff at least is like, so relatively conservative to things that I hear. Mm. And it makes me like, wonder if I'm like pushing my art, as far as I could. Hmm. But I already, I know that I'm coming from a place, especially like five, six, seven years ago, that was like so, such, so different than how I am now that like, maybe this is the correct progression for me. Right. So like for you, like starting out as like a, you know, singer songwriter, I mean, that's like, you know, you're, it's just, that's like a different art form almost yeah, entirely. Totally. So to go from that and over like four five, six years, you know, be writing this kind of stuff you're doing now, or even more years, I guess. It's 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 a big change, and I don't yeah. I don't think people really realize like the progression, like the true progression you're taking as an artist. um, You know, with the, over over time, right? You know, they just hear that that piece that right. you wrote, you know, and and that's you now, but they don't know that. Okay, that's not where you started. There was there was some there's a backlog of progression that that got to that point and maybe that piece sounds conservative or whatever compared to something else but for you it's like that was the logical progression over time
0: right i mean i think the longer i compose the more I, like, I think when I started to, I, I, I made a very, it felt like a schism where I was like, okay, I was doing songs before and now I'm writing, you know, classical music for string quartets and like, this is a totally different thing. And the more time I do it, the more I actually think it's coming from the same inner, like creative place, mm. activating the same kind of things, um, the further I get, uh, I, I see those as actually related. Um, and because it's the same search. I mean, maybe the singer-songwriter, there's a little bit more of this, like, you know, also I was, like, 17. So I was really emo and, like, I had all these things that I had to express about myself. So I don't necessarily um, think about it in that directive a way now. But just this search for something that feels exciting and just this instinct, you know, is is the same instinct I'm tapping into now. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of what you're saying about like the journey and like, how do you incorporate things? I feel like I have two reactions to that. One is that I know exactly what you mean. And I think it has to do with it being authentic to the music for me. Like, does the music need this or, you know, is, or am I just wanting to add, you know, I, I I don't, I try to avoid adding things in as, like, flavoring or just to add them and figuring out a, a, a way how to, you know, to create music where it's, like, part from the root part of the music, if that makes sense.
1: That oh, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. You know,
0: um, I think that's important. And also the other thing is, like, there's no one direction, right, going from conservative to, like, non-conservative. It's like we've... You know, how long ago did N.A. Lockwood burn a piano? Right.
1: Like, we've that's done true.
0: everything now. Like, it's all its all been done. All Like, all the radical stuff has been done. So just do something, like, interesting and particular to you. You know what well, I mean? that's
1: the thing. It's freeing in a way. Yeah. But also it's scary because yeah. you can do whatever you want and it's freeing. Right, right. And, um... Yeah, and it's almost like, well, what's the point of everything's? But there's also that. There's that that trickles into my brain every yeah. so often. Well, what's the point if, like, this has already been done, you know? But also part of it is, like, I actually really, like, especially the last, I have to say, um, last three, four years, I have realized that I do enjoy composing. It mm-hmm. might sound crazy to say as someone, I've been writing music since I was eight. But I, if I'm really, really honest with myself, I, I didn't, like, love the act of composing i would like kind of dread like having to go and do it you know i like the idea of having a piece done and uh, hearing it and all that stuff but like the actual work involved like i just never looked forward to doing it and now i'm the opposite i'm like i can't wait to like you know log in my time today to to compose that being said you know i don't write eight hours a day or anything like that i think that's part of the reason i
0: well, that's I write not possible. very little
1: actually maybe one two hours a day on average Yeah, if I were to average out the week, it's probably around that that amount of time and uh, Just making sure that that time is like sacred time. I think that's something I learned from georg uh, mm. Frederick It's like this Spiritual time, you know, like almost like going to church just kind of feeling and I feel like well That is why I'm doing it not so much like if I get into that mindset then almost like whatever i write like even if it sounds like something else right doesn't really matter right I, that process of getting there is like what i loved about it and that took oh my god i mean it took so long to get to that point
0: uh, yeah you know? i i relate to that so much i also realized like i'm not enjoying composing Um, sometimes, you know, it really felt like work and it felt like pulling teeth. That's really what it felt like. Just every like new note and at what now, what is this going to be? And now what is this going to be? And it really felt like pulling teeth and, and it, and it, and sometimes I like the results from that process of pulling teeth is the thing. But I also realized with this kind of, you know, we're talking about the PVC pipe or recently I had a piece for Yarn Wire where they were mostly just playing mallets on the side of a piece of wood. And that was so fun to write. Like, because I was just at home, like playing, bouncing a mallet off the end of a table and figuring out how many ways I could do that. And it was so fun. Mm -hmm. And so also this way of working where I'm playing with like, it feels like playing you know, and, and, and that feels so different than like imagining, okay, what are the harmonies like of this going to sound like? So just for me, that's also been a really like fruitful change, you know? Yeah. Um, like enjoying p- composing again. Yeah. Know? I've
1: done something similar to, in that, in that way of like changing my way of composing. Recently I've been I mean, it's not going to sound, it's going to sound pretty normal to most people listening, I suppose, but like using a sequencer, like mm. I never, I never did that. Mm. Like using like logic or something yeah. to write. But I mean, I'm yeah. still in front of the computer, <laughs> you know, that's the kind of negative part, but at least I'm like looking at something, I'm, I'm like looking at music in a different way than just right. like notes on a paper. Yeah. So to me, that's like different enough where I can find something new while I'm writing and that thing right. with the mallets on the like table and stuff like that, that, that was it for you.
0: And then you get feedback, right? Like immediate feedback
1: right exactly. that's also
0: such i feel like that i don't know like activates something or some sense of joy or something as opposed to just this like abstract you know thing on paper also sometimes i use like a DAW, and i and i feel a very similar way like there's something about having that feedback and and it just makes it like oh i hear the potential in this and it's exciting and
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah but when i write for orchestra it's like it's I, it's it's very very strange. I don't know if you've written for orchestra or a big ensemble before, but for whatever reason, when I get into the when I get into a rehearsal with an orchestra, it's never really that surprising what I get. Hmm. But it's always extremely surprising when I work with a smaller group because the sound is like so much more vulnerable, right. and I didn't really get that when I was listening or in my head or whatever. Right. And the individualistic elements of each of the instruments really. It really is different, I feel like. But then when an orchestra or a big or a big choir, you know, for example, like you get you already have that hum you know, that homogeneity, you know, right. in your in your head. So it's, it's more predictable. It's more predictable even though there's more players. So that to me has been like my next kind of like I'm writing an orchestra piece. I'm starting an orchestra piece. Hopefully next week I start it and that's like one of the things I'm thinking about, like how do I make this thing like, that's, like, a new challenge. Like, how do I make this thing not sound so predictable? Mm. Like, how do I, like, you see an orchestra there, but it's not an orchestra. That's like when tough. Sound, when the sound is not an orchestra. You know what I mean? Yeah, like,
0: absolutely. And the,
1: your choral work was uh, was like this, too, where I hear it as a choir. I hear voices, but what the heck is that, you know? Mm. But it's so simple what you did, but it changed the sound completely. Like, you don't get that out of a choir normally. So right. it's uh, it's an interesting thing that you did, because it, it, it's uh it gets it gets the juices flowing, but then you think about it in a different way. If mm-hmm. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Do you do you do like um, mock up or like use MIDI or record stuff or like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Of course, yeah. I use uh, playback and MIDI yeah. and all that stuff. Oh yeah. But increasingly, I've been using Logic because I've been being being stupid and and doing things with like partials like up to like the 25th partials right. st- so stupid then you have things to, like that yeah, so i have right. to like i can't like pretend i know what those sound like yeah. so i'm just yeah. figuring out intervals that i like and, <laughs> and things like that yeah yeah so that's kind of what i'm in the middle of now like
0: how do the microtones work in the or- in orchestra like what is that experience like
1: well for me i i've basically only been using quarter tones So I just, and I only pick a few. So like E half flat, A half flat, B half flat. Like I just pick a few and I kind of stick with those. And then depending on the key I'm using, like the E half flat becomes the second degree of a D scale. Or it can become the sixth degree of a G scale or the third degree of a C scale. So like the, you you can change the way the microtone sounds in the harmony by picking a new tonal center. So that, that's been like kind of like my crutch. Yeah. You know, like the last few pieces have been like that, but I really would like to figure out like how to make these like soundscapes where I'm not just using quarter tones. And, um, yeah, that's the next kind of challenge, like how to do that. Um, so anyway, I don't, I have no idea, but I trying to figure out like what the next step is right. and not just be in my old ways. Right. Just what, like you know, works. Out. Right. You know, cause yeah. I know that works, but yeah. I don't know what the next thing will be. I, when i start next week i guess i'll start to throw some darts at the at the page you know but we'll see so
0: is this the la phil
1: yeah 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 but the reversal time is pretty limited it's probably not going to get more than an hour so right um yeah i don't know but uh, we'll see i probably will post some stuff (laughs) in the next couple of months (laughs) (laughs) Me banging my head on the wall, (laughs) maybe just that like 30 times over five minutes or something. And that would be the video. I don't know. Um, Yeah. But thanks for coming. This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for um, having me. You can check out Anna's links down in the description below. I have those two pieces. I also have her website. So please check those out when you get a chance. And thanks again. Thank you.